From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for December 5th. Matt, can you believe it's December already? I, I really can't. It's been it's been kind of a whirlwind year. It, uh, it just feels like it was May yesterday. Yeah. So anyway, this is December 5th, 2019, Teeing It Up. Joined by my friend and golf architect aficionado, PGA professional Matt Fry. Hello, Matt. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. It is my pleasure. Um, the, the, this is going to start a series of podcasts, folks, that's a year in review, and it's different kinds of years in review, um, because I'm not sure about you, Matt, but I've seen about 86 the best thing that happened in this decade was blank articles already, and I'm sick of them. Yes. So uh, we're going to do just traditional year in reviews because I like those better than, than these overarching things that just seem way too intimidating to dive into. So It's much easier to do 12 months than it is 10 years. <laughs> yes, yes. You got that right. Um, so anyway, uh, if, for those who, who may remember, uh, Matt is a golf architect. Um, Nut is somebody, I, I generally think that people see golf courses in two ways. Either A, you see the golf course as, okay, this is hole number two, bunker left, you know, huge fairway right, okay, aim right, take driver and go from there. And then there's those who take the big picture and try to see what the architect does and their styles and all this stuff. So Matt's the latter. I'm the former. There's no there's no right or wrong answer to this. But I do have a lot of respect for those who see the next level in these. So we're just going to go down for the favorite things that Matt played this year and then some other random stuff that will come up in here. So we're going to start with your favorite courses and we're going to do all three categories and the first one is your favorite private course that you teed it up on in 2019. Uh, I was fortunate to play several private courses this year. Um, I am not a member at any private club uh, in the Philadelphia area or otherwise um, but one of my favorites in the Philly section um, let alone the states, is uh, Lancaster Country Club in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, it's a really fun and cool place to be. Um, it's it's an old course designed by uh, William Flynn, and it's had some work done over the years. And they've if they've been doing some some tree work and some some things around their greens and, and widening their fairways lately. Uh, and it's just a really fun place to play. Um, it's pretty much pure golf. Uh, they keep it in great shape, but it really makes you think your way around the course, no matter if you understand much about golf course architecture or not. It really puts the golfer in a position to anticipate their next shot. Um, it has one of my favorite holes anywhere, uh, number five at Lancaster is actually bunkerless, which is rare for any course. Um, but it really forces you on the tee shot to place your uh, your shot well in the fairway. If you get more aggressive on the left side, you have a shorter shot, but you also have to contend with a tree line. Uh, if you bail out a little bit to the right, you have a longer shot, and you'll have to contend a little bit more with water hazard 
or wait, it's called penalty area now, with the penalty area <laughs> in the front of the green. So uh, it's got a very good mix of holes, short, long, difficult, fun. Um, it's just a really cool place to be. And the customer service there is, is really um, some of the best in the area. Um, the best public court. Oh, and and by the way, Lancaster Country Club is the one that hosted what was what's now the KPMG Women's PGA for a long time, right? Uh, no, they had the um, the Women's Open in 2015. Okay, then and I was. They will be, yeah, they will be hosting the Women's Open again in a few years. Uh, I don't want to say the incorrect date. I'm not. I don't have it off the top of my head, but they will be having the USGA back in a, in a few years. I don't know why I had that in my mind, but I did, and thank you for the correction. Um, yes. Um, now, this next one, um, your favorite public course, and then I'll explain why this gives me nightmares after you um, explain <laughs> this. So, go ahead. All right. So, another one in the Philly area is um, the Atlantic City Country Club. Um, it's a very old golf course built, I think, in the late 1800s originally. Um, or it's an old club, I should say. So it's got a lot of architectural history with names like John Reed, H.J. Uh, Twitty, Barker, Willie Park, William Flynn, Yanis, Frazier, and Tom Doak most recently. So it's it's got a lot of cooks in the kitchen, but it's so much fun. It's what I think every golf course should emulate it's it's fairly wide open there are trees but there a lot of them aren't in play the fairways are wide uh you can kind of hit you can kind of spray your tee shots or, or hit your uh your approaches a little wild but still have a shot at getting up and down um and if you play from the correct set of tees it's it's just a blast it's one of the most fun golf courses i've played and uh if you're ever in the philly area or even new jersey area make a trip down to atlantic city because it's fantastic i was thinking of locust hill country club for the what's now the uh kpmg women's pga at the time was the wegman's lpga championship so ah yes that was that confusion wrong section wrong Wrong course, uh, wrong number of words, but it did have the, the same first letter. So I'll blame it on that. Um, yeah, let's go with that. Last time I was in Atlantic City for golf, I had the shanks. Uh, sounds like you had a, a much better time than I did when I was in the Atlantic City section. Well, you know, I'm going to probably jinx myself now that I say that, but you know how you have some courses you just generally you always play well? Yeah. Or at least strike yeah. it well? For whatever reason, I just play well at... Atlantic City, and I'm sure the next time I go out there, now that I've said it, I'll probably shoot like an 88. So. <laughs> I'm looking at the scores that I shot on that trip, and uh, yeah, I would like to forget that and everything that, that was a part of that trip. Uh, your favorite resort, now for those out there um, who may not understand this definition, resort is what it sounds like. There are also private resort courses and public resort courses where the public can play, you know, if, if you live five minutes down the road, blah, blah, blah. So don't think that even though Matt's about to name his favorite resort, that you can't play a resort course. You might be able to, and they might be happy to have you and have the business. So just a tip to always call the resort courses you would like to play, even if you're not staying there, because lo and behold, you might be able to play there. So, yeah, yeah. This is and this is one of those resorts 
where uh, you do not have to stay at the property to play. Um, the golf course is kind of separate from where the, the main hotel is, but uh, my favorite one that I played in 2019 was uh, the Lake Placid Club's Lynx course. Um, it's another really, or a fairly old design, um, and it has some great uh, architectural history. Um, it was Seymour Dunn who built the course in 1909, and it really uh, hasn't been touched much since. Um, Graham Cook came in sometime in the later portion of the century, but I don't think he did much um, because it's a very pure golf experience. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of monkeying around with it. Um, and it's a lot of fun because they usually have it playing pretty firm and fast. And I like to play those golf courses where you can let your ball run and you really have to pay attention to where your ball lands because it's going to bounce and it's going to roll. And uh, so not only is it a fun golf course, but the scenery around the course is just amazing. It's right in the heart of uh, Lake Placid in the Adirondack Mountains, so you have a great view of many of the high peaks in that region, uh, in addition to the Olympic ski jumps, which are right down the road. So it's a, it's a pretty cool place. And uh, if, if you ever get up in the Adirondacks, they have a lot of good golf courses, and this is certainly one right near the top for me. I was going to ask you about that as, as we're talking to Matt Fry here on Teeing It Up with Jeremy, showing about the favorite, uh, of, 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 excuse me, favorite golf courses he, he played in 2019. Um, how much of the Olympic experience is still intact in Lake Placid? Obviously, this golf course has been there way before 1980, but, but when it comes to the Olympics and, and the Olympic setup in Lake Placid, how much is still intact and, and how much is still being used for stuff? Uh, a fair amount, from what I understand. I'm not an expert on the topic, but they do still host uh, lots of athletes from the United States team and around the world um, for both training and um, various competitions. Um, they still use the ski jumps on a regular basis, both uh, in season and off season, um, they still use the bobsled track and the luge. Um, they even let uh, tourists come and, and do the bobsled, have bobsled experience and luge experience, <laughs> which uh, I was unable, uh, my wife was unable to convince me to do because that seems incredibly crazy. Um, but they have a nice Olympic museum there, the arena from the Miracle on Ice, as well as the the original Olympics they had, is still there and still used on a regular basis. Uh, and their, their, what they call the Oval, uh, their original um, speed skating rink, is still there. Um, so most of it is still there from what I can understand. Um, some of their infrastructure has been either... Uh, demolished or changed. For instance, from what I understand, some of the dorms they used for the 1980 Olympics has been converted into a prison, <laughs> uh, if you can believe that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really cool place, whether you play golf or you're, you're just into the outdoors. Um, Lake Placid is one of my favorite places, as well as my wife's. Uh, that, uh, that's interesting. 
Um, I, I did not expect prison to come out of, of, of your mouth, but I, I guess it's better than some of these Olympic cities where the venues just go for nothing and right. just sit there as eyesores. I guess it's good that they made some use out of it. Well, some, some, at some point back in the day, the government, uh, the United States, or not the United States, I'm sorry, the uh, New York State government decided some of the best places for the prisons would be the the North Country up there. So there's quite a few state prisons up there, um, most notably the Dannemora Prison, um, Clinton Correctional Facility, is where the um, those two fellas escaped uh, in 2014, I think, 20, somewhere mm, around there. Yeah. They escaped and they were on the land for like, almost a month or so. Um, uh, so it, there's a lot in, but, you know, they they, um, they keep the economy pumping up there. Um, a lot of uh, our members at Malone Golf Club, where I used to work, uh, were correctional officers for the prisons. So um, they do well up there. Wow. Look at that. The more you know. Uh, the more you know, indeed. We're talking to Matt Fry about his favorite golf courses that he played. And uh, we'll, we'll stay up, up north and go to the coolest moment of 2019 for you. Uh, one of the two. We'll get to the second one later. The return to Malone. And this does not involve Carl Malone. This involves your former home. Yeah. Before, before I move on to that, it's an easy segue from Malone. My wife just got home and she just popped her head and I guess she heard me talking about Danamora and she reminded me, she wrote me a note that Tupac was in Danamora prison. So, useless knowledge for you today. There's more hashtag the more you know. (laughs) Uh, Yes. But yeah, Malone, we took a little mini break up to uh, the Adirondacks this uh, summer and um, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, um, I used to work at Malone Golf Club, and uh, I have learned that I miss the the golf club and the area and its members, and um, I uh, scheduled a time through uh, their head pro there, John Dottie, and uh, their director of golf, Tom Sin, and uh, I just showed up kind of unannounced and went out and played but it was so much fun to uh, go around the course I played 36 that day and run into old members and for them to remember me and say they they uh, miss seeing me and, and that was that meant a lot to me that was that was special so uh, that was one of my cooler experiences that is, is more personal to me it's not something that can obviously be easily replicated for everybody but um, that was certainly a highlight uh this year for me. Hey, it's it's one of those things, um, or at, at least this is how I feel. There are people who work in in, in my county golf system who who remember me when I was seven, and now I, I go up to the desk to check in and they wonder where my dad is. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah, the, uh, 24 years later, uh, I, 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 I don't need him with me to play. But there is something cool about going home and, and, and playing the stuff and trying to remember if, if you can conjure up those idiosyncrasies that you learn after playing round after round after round after round there and take advantage of those breaks and those lines that nobody would think of taking and all right. that stuff. So. Well, and, and before we move on, um, if ever if anyone does go up to the Adirondacks and plays golf, um, 
I will recommend that if you play in Malone, you should make uh, about a 30-minute trip across the border to Huntington, uh, Quebec. And there's a little luncheonette there called um, Le Bon Patat, I think. I, don't, I can't speak French very well. <laughs> um, but it used to call, be called P-Vans, and they have the best burgers, fries, and hot dogs with, uh, they call it dress with slaw, uh, that I think I've ever had. It's simple, it's cheap, but anytime we go up there, we always make the, the effort to get across the border. Uh, we want to end podcast on a positive note, so we'll get this negative one out of the way now as we talk to Matt Fry, uh, PGA professional, about the favorite golf courses that he played in 2019. It sounds like, Matt, you don't want to go mini-golfing anytime soon. <laughs> no. It turns out, well, let me preface with I had just an absolutely awful year on the greens. Like, it's been really bad and borderline embarrassing some days it's i haven't made a putt i haven't had very many good putting days this year so i played mini golf several times this year with my wife um friends and i think i've lost every single time and it's really it's really embarrassing because i'm supposed to be the good one i'm the one with the pga designation and i can't putt for for you, know you can what? curse in the podcast. You can curse in this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm going to avoid that. So, uh, it, it, it's been bad. It's fun to go out, but man, is it frustrating. I mean, and I know, don't get me wrong, mini golf is completely different than um, putting on a regular golf course. Yes. But uh, when you're putting poorly on both and you can't beat a person who never plays golf more than once every five years, not too much fun. <laughs> uh, no, and and I can do one. I can do better. I can do one better than you on that. First of all, oh, okay. I'm I'm horrible at at mini golf too. But I made two mistakes, Matt. Number one is I decided okay, I'm gonna get better today by using my actual putter, my actual balls, and a ball marker. You want to talk about looking out of place at mini golf? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend doing that. <laughs> Needless to say, uh, my friends have not stopped talking about that moment since it happened. Yeah, you're liable to get beat up if you do that. Yes, yeah, like here I am, and I'm like, okay, I hit it up to a foot. I'll just, or, or no, uh, three feet. All right, I'll just put my marker coin down there. Like seriously, <laughs> what am I doing? I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm doing either. Second of all, about four years ago, my mom happened to be off on my I happened to have an off day from work on, on, on my on my birthday. So she comes home. Uh, so I wakes up, comes in the room, and says, "Hey, what do you want to do today? It's your birthday." I, I said, "Let's go mini golfing." My my mom and I have been mini golfing for years, even before I started playing regular golf. My mom beat me on my birthday. Aren't you supposed to purposely lose when playing golf to somebody on their birthday? Aren't you supposed to mess up? I I got showed up by my mother on my birthday. I think I think the argument could be made. You really owe her, really. If you're if you're going to get down to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I owe her because she had to go play mini golf with me. No, you owe her because she gave birth to you. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. Okay, I see what you're saying. So I should let her win every time. Okay. Well, 
wouldn't say you need to let her win. I'm just saying I wouldn't get so bent out of shape about it. <laughs> I'm just frustrated that I lost on my birthday, Matt. Birthdays are supposed to be perfect from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, right? That's what I'm told, but I don't, I don't, I don't get too excited about birthdays myself. So, <laughs> all right. Um. <laughs> Oh man, I, I I think the key to mini golf may be for for both you and me in 2020. You should play it left-handed. I should play it right-handed. Or even better, I just won't play at all. Oh, you can't you can't lose if you don't play. How's the but but what's your wife's reaction gonna be? Find something else to do. <laughs> There, there you go. We're talking to Matt Fry, PGA professional, about the best courses and experiences he had uh, in 2019 uh, playing golf, obviously, because uh, <laughs> regular golf, not uh, mini golf, because obviously that was not one of them. All right. Uh, most pleasant surprises of 2019. You list three here. Uh, let's go through the three. Okay. Uh, Westport. Um, this is also in the Adirondacks. It's in Westport, New York, right near uh, Lake Champlain. Um, I figured it was going to be good um, from some of the photos and video that I had seen previously, but I hadn't seen a lot written about it. Um, there was uh, a rumor by their former pro. Uh, he had seemed to believe that Willie Park was involved, and I like any golf course at Willie Park. Uh, built that I've seen. Um, so I kind of had high hopes for it, and it really panned out. It was just a great piece of property. There's lots of rolling terrain. Um, if, if you hit it so far in a certain hole, you might find yourself with a different, uh, difficult lie, so you got to lay back. You really have to know what the hole does. And again, it's right on Lake Champlain, sandwich in between the lake and uh, the Adirondack Mountains, so it's just gorgeous. Um, plays firm and fast, and one of the cool little places, or little things about the course, is they have, um, I guess it's a flock of sheep that they use to help uh, maintain the property, I'm guessing mostly for rough, um, but between the, I think it's the 11th and 13th holes, um, maybe 14. They have, that's where they keep the sheep. And so when you walk up to your, your approach shot, they keep, the sheep come running over to you and, and want a closer look. So it's, it's pretty neat. Uh, that is, uh, uh, what is the ruling if your ball is, is, uh, if you can't hit your shot because the sheep are blocking your, your, your line? <laughs> do you get, question. do you get free line of sight relief? I, I didn't look at the scorecard or ask, but I, I gotta imagine this, this. You had a rules official on. That would be some type of like environmentally protected area. I, yeah, I can't imagine I would, it would be in course out of bounds. I gotta imagine you'd get some type of free relief from that. Missy Jones, if you're listening to this, reach out to Matt and I. We're, we are interested. Alright, keep rolling here. Uh, I played, got to see Bobby Jones down in Atlanta this year. Um, I knew just a little bit about it going into it. Um, it. It had been around for quite a while as a municipal course, and uh, at some point uh, a group of citizens worked with the city to kind of reinvigorate the facility. And they didn't necessarily 
restore the course, quote unquote. You see that a lot at a lot of municipal courses uh, around the country. Um, but what they did was they brought in uh, a new architect, and he completely redesigned the property to make it a a nine hole uh, reversible course, and it was so much fun. It it blew me out of the water, honestly. I, I expected it to be cool, but it was much more fun than I had anticipated. It's fairly wide open. It's got some cool views of the city. It's got uh, some great terrain. I wouldn't have ever expected that kind of terrain that close to Atlanta, but it's it's a really fun track. I only played it forwards. Um, I didn't get to see it backwards, but uh, forwards was very, very cool. Um, and it's really inexpensive uh i think i played like a twilight time i think it was maybe twenty dollars something like that so you can't really beat that um i would definitely recommend it to anybody and it's fun for the better player and it's easy for the beginner um it covers all its bases and on top of that they they do a lot of work with um the, the local citizens of Atlanta, um, as far as uh, player development and things go, so they're doing they're doing nice things down there. I, I am currently on a search for the scorecard for the Westport Golf Course to see if uh, the 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 now Westport Golf, which is formerly the Westport Country Club, to see if we have an answer on what happens when the sheep come. Uh, reversible golf courses sound awesome, and I can't. I I would love. That whole bucket list thing that happened last week with, with playing St. Andrews backwards, I mean, that just seems like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That would be... St. Andrews is definitely probably at the top of my bucket list. It's just a matter of uh, saving the money and getting the time to do it. Then then why are your courses you most want to see in 20... and uh, in, in, uh, 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 see again in 2020? Not that, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, there's, there's one more pleasant surprise. Yeah, so this is this is pretty cool. I never heard of this place before this year. Um, they fly pretty much under the radar. It's a, it's a little private nine-hole course, but I don't think it would be terribly difficult um, to have your PGA professional call and, and arrange a tea time for you. It's called Scranton Canoe Club. It's it's actually maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes outside of Scranton. But it's this little nine-hole course that sits right above a lake. And it's, it's old, it's fun, it's firm, it's fast, it's not overly difficult. It's just a cool atmosphere. Um, They've got the, the old mirror up on the, on the pole, so you can see over the hill and see if the golfers in front of you have moved out of the way. Just every little bit about it, I just really love. It, it's mm-hmm. really cool, and I dig nine-hole courses, and um, I really like places that people aren't that familiar with, and this is certainly one of them. So if you're ever in northeast Pennsylvania or even southeast New York or Jersey, I would definitely make the trip over there and, and try to see it. Sounds, uh, I, 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 I miss the mirror. I, I, I don't get, there's a course near me that has a bell. I don't get bells because people think those are just church things. You need, no, seriously, because I play a golf course, uh, Rutgers University golf course. The, the uh, chimes go off, off the clock tower every hour. It is one of the oldest college clock towers in America. Right. And, you would if 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 they had that kind of a bell system for a hidden par five, which they don't. But let's just hypothetically say they did. 
you would never be able to know if it was that or if it was the uh, church bells signaling at the uh, top of the hour. So yeah, I am all in favor of more um, m- uh, more mirrors here um, for uh, 2020 in, in Golf Run America. If you are a golf course with some terrain, we're talking to Matt Fry here on Teeing It Up about best golf you played in 2019. Uh, the quickest round you played... Oh my God, dude! I mean, I, I, I looked at your Instagram and it was freezing cold, and you're like, uh, "Yeah, but it was only like two hours and ten minutes, or whatever the heck it was." You'll, you'll obviously tell us the the times in a minute here. Uh, a, you and Joe are, are so dedicated to this. Joe's his uh, partner in, in in crime and exploring a lot of these golf courses. Um, but a, you're really dedicated. B. There is a virtue in playing in cold weather because there ain't a lot of people out there. And if you can keep the ball in play, you will play fast. Tiger in the Bahamas today played in three hours, 22 minutes. It shows you that professional golfers can play fast and play well when the courses are set up easily, set up playable, and you can keep moving. Yeah, and I I think it's... I mean, these two rounds are kind of freakish rounds because they were both cold, so we had basically the courses to ourselves. They were on a small footprint, so it's not like we had long green to tee walks. And the fact that it was cold made us walk a little faster than it was warm. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we played Elkridge in Baltimore, and we played that, I think, in like 226 or 228. Um, that might be a record for me. Um, and then we also played Northampton, kind of in the Allentown, Pennsylvania area. Uh, and that was just a little over two and a half. So um, it's we, we really like to play quick. In fact, I, I, there isn't a lot worse than a slow round of golf. Um, so we can when we can zip around in under three hours, that's a bonus for us, especially when it's a good golf course like Elkridge or Northampton. Um, by the way, the, the, um, uh, how fast was, was, was the fastest of, of those two rounds? I think it was around like two hours, 28 minutes. So right now, um, as we stand, the PGA Tour does not officially keep a record for the fastest round in PGA Tour history, but it is believed that in 2017, Wesley Bryan made that, uh, made, uh, uh, made history and became the person who played the fastest round ever. He played in 89 minutes. That's that's impressive, and I guarantee he shot better than whatever I shot, and it was definitely a harder course, so that's impressive. It was the BMW Championship at Conway Farms, which is outside of Chicago, um, and he played... The round he shot was a two under sixty nine. Wow! Somebody, he should get like Fitbit or somebody to sponsor him. Yes, and there's a trend. Kevin Nah, the same thing. These guys who are trying to beat this record, they're, they're playing as a single. They want to go home. They don't want to be there anymore. They know they won't win. They play their best round of the week trying to beat this unofficial record that nobody even knows what the official PGA Tour mark is, but they believe it's 89 minutes, and they play some of their best golf all year. Or, yeah, or, or, or sorry, all score. week, yeah. yeah. Which is just crazy. Um, well, kudos to you guys for playing in that weather, and obviously the benefactor there was, um, was um, 
excuse me, the uh, benefactor was the cold weather and the fact that you had the courses to yourself. And hey, look, you guys also, you, you like playing 36 in a day. When you play 36 in a day, that first 18 has to be fast or else you're screwed. Particularly this time of year when it gets dark so early. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, the coolest moment in 2019, the first was the return to, to um, Malone Country Club, your former employer. The second one involved something involving Beth Page Black, but there's a lot of yeah. things that can happen at Beth Page Black. So what was this, this was, one? This was kind of like, almost like a full circle moment. Um, okay. When I first started playing, it was, uh, it was 2002, and I really got started the week maybe two weeks after the U.S. Open, which was held at Bethpage. Right. And uh, I remember my dad and my uncle, uh, we were on a family vacation during that week, and they were watching a lot of that tournament. And I thought it was really fascinating. Golf's never never interested me before that. And I thought it was really fascinating how loud the crowds were and how close they were to the greens. It was like they were almost on the greens in some of the holes. And uh, I started playing the following week, um, just kind of on a uh, on a whim. Liked it, kept with it, and then uh, 2008 I interned in the Poconos, and I was able to go play Beth Page Black for the first time. It was kind of like one of my bucket list courses, and it remained one of my favorite courses for a very long time until I started learning a little bit more about golf course architecture and what. I found to appreciate more um, is more like the strategic element and the fun element of a golf course rather than just beat you up uh, golf, which <laughs> yes. Beth Page kind of is. Yes. So obviously uh, people know that one of Beth Page Black's claim to fame is that warning sign on the first tee that says something to the effect of Beth Page Black is meant for highly skilled golfers, yada, yada. Don't play it if you're bad. Um, of course, it doesn't stop anybody from playing it, but <laughs> it is there. So that's that's the photo that everyone likes to get their photo with, um, yep. or the, the area that everyone likes to get their photo with. And um, I had a, a T-shirt from um, uh, a company called Homage out of Columbus, Ohio. They made uh, in partnership with the Memorial Tournament last year, uh, and it's a quote from Jack Nicholas that said, the game is meant to be fun. Uh, and so I, I wore that t-shirt uh, to get a photo with the warning sign because it was kind of a, a realization for me that at one point I really valued Death Page because it was such a hard golf course and it was kind of like, hey, look, I played this golf course and I shot whatever I shot and it was kind of a source of pride. But now I appreciate more fun golf courses so it was kind of my tongue-in-cheek way to make a point that there's more to golf than just tour golf course. You know what's interesting about that, and and the sign, and, and and obviously, folks, we are talking about the Memorial Tournament presented by Nationwide. The PGA Tour will get on us for this podcast if we don't give it the proper name. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's interesting about that is, and, and, and Matt knows this, but I was on Long Island this summer. I have friends out there. I have family out there. And I had a, a gap in time before this family event. So I realized that literally right in between where my friend lives and where my family is, 
was was uh, by Page Black. So I went down there, wanted to check out the build out. This is March. It's freezing cold. The wind is whipping, and there's this couple. So I walk down. And I'm just looking around, and I'm looking at the build out and the stands and all this stuff. And I'm looking for somebody to take a picture of me next to the sign. I feel like it's my rite of passage. I can't be at Beth Page Black without it. And this couple comes walking, and it's a, and it's a public property, so they could have, for all I know, been walking towards their car, which is on the other side of the clubhouse. And they saw me take two steps towards them. Now, I could have been walking to my car for, for, for all they knew. They were taking two steps. I, sorry, I took two steps, and they said, you want the picture, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, they knew immediately what the point was, why I was walking towards them, and it's just the the allure and, and the notoriety is not the right word, but just the cachet that sign has now, that oh, it's just like the Lone Cypress in California, it's just like the, you know, famous... Um, Matt Flower thing outside Augusta National Golf Club's gates, just like the White House and the Washington Monument, and there's all these things you got to do. You know, take your picture in the Empire State Building, blah blah blah. And they just knew that I wanted a picture by the sign, even though I could have just been any old person walking around. Hey, I, I don't blame you. I played the Red Course uh, in 2008 as well, and when I went and played the Red Course, I walked over to the Black Course just to get my photo with the sign again. I already had my photo. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm fine. I'm just all choked up. This is such a You can you can fix that in post. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll keep this. Uh, I, I I will keep any moment that 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 shows that we're real and we're, and we're human in in in, in in the podcast. Um talking to Matt Fry, PJ professional about the best golf uh, he played in 2019. It's not on this list. I'm going to throw a, a curveball at you. Two more questions for you. I'm going to throw a curveball at you with number one. The best shot you hit this year is? Ooh, goodness gracious. Let me think about that for two seconds. Oh, uh, man. Um, I, honestly, I haven't played that well this year, so I can probably just go to one of my better rounds here. I, I keep a list and... While you say that, my favorite moment of this year was probably, was it this year or last year? That may have been 2018. I had like a 35-yard bunker shot, and I clipped it perfectly and got it up to 10 feet and said, thank you very much, have a nice day. Isn't that the best feeling when, when you have one of those those long bunker shots, and it's it's already in your head as soon as you hit it, like yes. this is going to be impossible. Yes. And then you hit it perfectly; it's it's like you're yes. on top of the world. Yeah. And then you and then you go and miss the putt, and, <laughs> and you're back to normal. At that point, I didn't care what happened because it was one of those things. And and you know this: if you're playing in competition, what does the average person need to do from there? Hit a normal bunker shot, hit it to the front of the green. And just take your medicine of having a forty-five footer because the pin was right. in the back. Right. So, but as as rec golfers, we can take that shot on. The problem is if we take it on and don't execute it right, that ball is like hundred and ten yards in the wrong place. Right. Or right. it's still in the bunker. Um, so to clip it perfectly and to get it out there, I didn't care what happened after that. Um, <laughs> I was just happy to hit the damn shot. 
all right, I've got it. So yeah. uh, it's it's honestly, it's not overly impressive, but it was like a moral victory for me. <laughs> uh, it was during my round at uh, Malone's uh, East Course. Their 15th hole, it's not one of the original holes. It was one uh, built by uh, Robert Jones Sr. in the 80s, and it's par 5. And it's it's a pretty benign par five. It's it's pretty straight. Um, there's a couple of bunkers, but there's not too much trouble. But for the life of me, I could never hit that green in two. Like I think I hit it once my two years up there, and I always put hit a decent drive, but I could never hit a good second shot. Uh, and this time I hit a really good second shot. I knocked it to about twenty feet, and I was like, oh man, I'm going to get out of here with birdie, maybe eagle. It's okay, I three-putted for par. <laughs> but, but the shot getting on the green and, and within, you know, 20 feet, that was uh, that made me feel good. So I'll go with that one. There you go. Um, it, those are morals victories. Um, I, I, I think I... One of the things that I think is interesting about moral victories in golf, and, and this is... This is partly why I love talking golf on a podcast because you can go long on this stuff and and there's no time limit. You and I both understand because we don't play as much as we would like the virtue of the center of the club face. There is something about the center of the club face that just works right. And I was playing so bad last year and I go to Aruba and I have a, a, a wedge shot and I, I just hit it center of the club face, and I missed club. I hit it long. And I'm like, thank you, God. That's a moral victory. I actually hit a shot too good for once. Well, that that reminds me of, um, I might screw this up a little bit, but the general idea was um, Michael Hebron, he's a PJ professional in New York on Long Island. Uh, he's a past teacher of the year uh, award winner for the PGA and he came to speak to um, my university when I was in college at Eastern Kentucky University to our uh, PGA golf management program and uh, one of the things he did was he brought up a, a beginner or somebody who hadn't played much golf um, and he was basically teaching this person how to swing a club and he was trying to have them realize how important it was to hit the middle of the club face. So what he did was he put a golf ball down and he said, put your club, put your club head right next to the ball and then just move your club forward. Move the ball. So he moved it like six inches. He's like, okay, so put the ball back, put your club out down, now take it back six inches and then go forward. And he had him continually make slightly larger swings and once you get to about you know a quarter of the way back or or halfway back and you hit the middle of the club face because it's such a small swing the the light bulb goes off for the student and they're like oh okay now i get i can feel the difference between you know a shot in the middle of the club face and when i hit it off the toe and it's much easier to to get that feeling on a small swing than it is a full swing that's that's that is so genius for a beginner yeah. because that's it's the number so one simple, thing. Right. Yes, yeah, the number one thing beginners have problems with is is that is that shot that keeps them coming back and it takes them forever and sometimes they lose it and if you build up and get center of the club face, center of the club face, center of the club face, and then build out from there, it's a lot more likely to be successful. I have kept Matt a long time. Matt is awesome. So in in true 
tease form because look, you and I can host a, you and I can have a great podcast, but if we give all the secrets away, we don't have any for ourselves, right? So, so we have to have some things that just stay in here, right? So, for the course you most want to see again in 2020, don't give it all away. Two sentences on why you want to see Sweetens Cove again in 2020 and why you want to see the Hill Nine at Steel Club in 2020. Okay, so Sweetens Cove is easy. It's 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 a wild golf course. It's a lot of fun, but it is wild. And I think I would approach it a little differently, playing <laughs> it once more. Uh, that That's why I would like to go back. It, it's a blast. I'd like to have fun again, but I think I would approach some shots a little differently. Uh, but that's definitely a must-see, especially if you like some wild greens. <laughs> uh, as far as Steel Club, that's kind of... <laughs> that's most want to see again because not only is the Hill Nine a really cool Don Ross uh, layout on basically the side of this mountain, but it's more just because I hope they don't close it <laughs> because the uh, I, I spoke to the head pro there and their their plan is just to close that nine holes. They have 27 at their club currently, but they're going to close that nine holes and use the property. Um, for some other activities but it's such a cool little golf course i would hope somehow they they find a way to keep that open in 2020 um i'm not a member there so i don't really have any say so they're going to do what's right for them but it is a cool little nine hole course and this is why we both are in the communications world uh, you know pros have to communicate to their uh people i am a writer and a, and a, and a podcast host help save that golf course by experiencing what it has and you will only know that not by just listening to this podcast but by going out there and playing how does that sound I don't, I don't want to give the wrong impression like i said <laughs> I, I don't know the the ins and outs of, of their business plan so they might be making the right decision for them i just i would personally miss it after seeing it the one time so well, no, I mean, and, and, and that I think is, is part of this too, which is if you want to experience cool golf, you may only be able to, to play it once, may only be able to yeah. see it once. Um, unfortunately, we've seen what, what natural disasters have done to some golf courses in this country. Um, 17 at Augusta plays totally different because the Eisenhower tree is no longer there. So, you know, Play them while, they, while you can, while they're open, and while they're available to be played. I think that's the takeaway lesson here. Right. And how, so, Jeremy, before you stop, no one cares really what I think. You're the host. What is your favorite golf whatever from 2019? What's your favorite golf memory from the year? Uh, look at you turning the tables. <laughs> wow. All right. So I, I put this in two buckets. Um there's there's the there's the one bucket and then there's the other bucket. Uh, Tiger and and everybody I think who listens to this or or who has read my golf dot com piece knows knows the story about what what Tiger means to me. Tiger winning was like it was my birthday. I got so many text messages that day I couldn't keep up with it. And you know what your birthday is like on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and and text messages. It's a lot to get through. Right. It, it, you actually have to sit down and like take some time and it took me a good like two hours after play was done just to get caught up on 
just the random people in my life, not even the, my golf buddies, but just the random people in my life saying, hey. Um, so that's in one bucket. The other bucket, I think, is, is just this notion of um, you hit a shot, it goes where you want, and you're able to, to do what you wanted to do. And that happened to me on a par five this year where I was able to hit a driver, hit a seven wood down there, hit a pitch up there. And I honestly forget if I made the putt or not, but it was just a well-played hole. It was a well-thought-out hole. And on, on just the other side of the ledger, in a year where I didn't play my best golf, to know that I still have the ability to hit the smart tee shot, hit the smart second shot, leave myself in the right spot to, to, hit, to, hit, to hit the pitch on the green, um, those are the things that keep you coming back. Mm-hmm. I also, I think I made a birdie uh, on a hole where I hit it like hole high to, to eight feet, but I lost it in the sun, so I thought that I was another ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I walked up to a ball that had just rolled off the back of the green, and I'm like, wait a second, I'm not playing this brand. Hold on. That must be that right. ball. And then lo and behold. What's, what's more embarrassing? When you think you hit it on the green and find out you're like way over or way short, or when you think you miss and that turns out it's right next to the hole. To me, it's the context, but in general, if it's more embarrassing to think you hit the good shot and you actually hit the bad <laughs> shot. I agree. I, um, agree. I just wanted to see how you answered. Yes, there, there, there is an embarrassment if if you're playing on a perfect weather day and you just never see your ball and it's like, right. dude, we told you it's a foot away, like. That's embarrassing. But in this case, I was right back in the sun. There was totally understandable from the angle I was coming into that green on that, that I, I may not you know, be able to see where this um, would end up. So right. that's what I'm taking away from 2019 as we go into 2020. Good. And on that note, uh, Matt, thank you, uh, as always, for coming back on Teeing It Up. And I look forward to doing this in 2020. When hopefully you will play Pebble, Augusta National, St. Andrews, um, Bally Bunyan, Royal Melbourne. Let's get you traveling around the world for us. If, if you get me a few lottery tickets, we might be able to make it happen. I can put up $5 towards airfare. <laughs> well, with interest, maybe uh, by the time I'm 106, that'll work. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Matt Fry, PGA professional, talking about his best golf of 2019. Um, Thank you for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.